Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Arthur's Podcast. Today with us we have uh, Ara Rahman. She's talking to us about, you know, uh, essentially the difference of lifestyle between the Middle East or the GCC states and Sri Lanka. Uh, Ara and I, we both uh, are former residents of uh, GCC states. And so essentially we're just reminiscing on our past and talking about how life is different. Uh, let's welcome Ara. Hi, Ara. Hi, Artif. It's a pleasure to be on your podcast. And uh, let's get started. Yeah, sure. Uh, give us a bit of a description about yourself, uh, about, you know, how long you've been in Saudi Arabia for and how long you've been in Sri Lanka for. So, uh, I moved to Saudi Arabia when I was 28 years old. So, I guess that's my biggest flex. And <laughs> I've lived there till I was 18. And then I moved to Sri Lanka for my higher studies. So I've been here for almost two and a half years. Yeah, two and a half years. So I'm basically here to start study. Yeah, I was. I came here to start study. That's really good. Um. So that's like a pretty good introduction about yourself. You know, like that's essentially my state too. I, I was, I was, I went to Oman when I was a very young kid. And I came back for my uh, advanced level here too. So let's get started with the question, yeah? Okay. So in fact, out of all the episodes, your episode had the most number of questions because a lot of people were intrigued about, you know, the whole uh, Saudi Arabia thing. And uh, so our first question is essentially about, you know, you being a hijabi. So being a hijabi in Sri Lanka means that you have two sides. You have the people who don't accept it, people who don't understand it, critiquing you for, you know, wearing the hijab. And you also have uh, the family members who will critique you or who would, you know, be asking you questions about why you're not wearing hijab if you choose not to. So in that kind of scenario, how do you tackle with it? Any personal experiences you've had here? Yes, uh, a lot of personal experiences. Uh, so basically... One thing I need to get through is the fact that uh, wearing a hijab doesn't make you a better Muslim or choosing to not wear it doesn't make you a worse off uh, person or anything. So uh, basically, this my first year in university, I had an event and um, we were hosting it. So there were two girls, uh, both of us were Muslim, but one wasn't covering and I was covering. So one of my friends, he came up to me and he's all like, wait, hold up. Both of you are Muslims, but why are you covering and why isn't she? And I was all like, well, it's a personal preference. Like I choose not, I, I choose to wear the hijab and she chooses not to. And then he's all like, does it make you a better Muslim if you choose to wear the hijab? I was all like, no, hell no, because I might be uh, weak in so many other parts of my faith even though I choose to wear a hijab. And she might be like hella perfect in all of those uh, aspects. And I can't judge based on whether someone wears the hijab or chooses not to. Uh, on the other hand, there's been uh, a lot of situations, especially when I come back home, right? Uh, I'm known as a very modern girl. So like it's, it's the outfits, right? And you don't wear... Um, so I basically don't wear the outfits that are considered to be religious enough, I guess. So then th- there's that perspective too, where people go like, oh, look at her, you know, she's wearing jeans and all of that. What, she comes from Saudi, where's a hijab? And I'm like, this is a hijab. Like, you don't have to 
necessarily wear the abaya which uh, portrays as you know you're a very religious muslim again i need to get this out when it comes uh, to muslim attire for both you know men and women it's essentially said you know wear what you want in women obviously you have the headscarf thing and you know the covering up to the hands but uh, this design element was never specific but it was more of you know as you please honest. but make sure you know you're not very concealing so that you grab less attention towards yourself yes precisely Spine and mode. many people lose sight of that many people lose sight of that because uh, they focus more on the outer wear and like this fixed standard of what you have to wear that they uh, tend to critique you on what you choose to wear and what you choose not to wear and it's insane it's really hard to cope up with both extremes of uh, you know the spectrum exactly so in, in the case of you know wearing hijab plus materialization because we go just that narrow aspect you see women wearing habayas wearing really slim fit habayas as well I mean, that's just the same as wearing uh, like you know so a really slim fit clothes with hijab on but then you have women who wear hijab and you very loose fit you know it's just still it's the same aspect that the religion talks about exactly. it's just these people stick to that tradition design modernized and you know westernized but you guys are separate yeah precisely and uh, i think uh, as a young muslim girl it's hard to balance between both because there's the traditional aunties on one side and then there's the extremely a uh, critical other part aspect of it and walking that middle line is probably the hardest thing to do but Obviously, yeah we do it i think it's not it's more of uh, being a chameleon i always call myself a chameleon you know you've got to uh, fit where people want you to fit you know you don't have to change your personality but you know to fit in right so yes, i have with my exactly i hang out with my single buddhist friends and i don't talk to them about my religion per se cuz religion is irrelevant there but you know when i go back to my hometown with my cousins you know we talk about religion too so it's just you know being who you just so you don't upset anybody you know and you're not being a bad person you're not being fake you don't have to outright you know present yourself every time just make the situation less toxic true but then the, then uh, a identity crisis sort of kicks in too you're just like wait, really. who exactly am i no because the thing is now the fact that you're religious you know about your religion the fact that you know about other religions and you choose not to choose to talk about your religion all the time that's all part of your identity you're just revealing separate parts fit to separate people you know that's it uh so let's talk about you know success strength and you know essentially uh being portrayed as a muslim woman so obviously you know the media tells us that muslim women are you know, there's obviously a difference in standards between uh, the two when that you see a lot of muslim men are performing the women in many junctures and when that happens people look at you know uh, the gcc states they look at and they talk about how power is not shared and is only goes to the male members how how is that for you you know do you really think that except for you know how the power you know like you know state power is obviously given to the kings because that's heritage but otherwise do you think that you know in saudi arabia it's very toxic for women where they can't work at all where none of them receive success is that how it looks like no not at all i mean um, yes there was a period there was a period where women had to you know look at men to even leave the house but that was not based on religion that was more based on culture but now things are changing it's insane how uh amazing it is right now i mean you see women driving 
and uh, there's women at every corner of like Saudi Arabia. It's, they're everywhere at the immigration and at shops, as entrepreneurs, as as CEOs, as race car drivers, kickboxers, chefs. They're everywhere, and they are thriving. It's beautiful to see because. Um, there's this one aspect that uh, everyone sort of has where they are like hijab equals oppression, hijab equals uh, no options uh, in the outside world. And that's crazy because look at these women. They were brought up uh, probably. Now, let's say uh, roughly a woman is 25 or 30 years old. Her entire teenage uh you know, that uh, sort of aspect of her life was, br- she was brought up in a situation where Saudi Arabia was very uh, conservative, very close. But then for her to aspire big dreams and for her to achieve those big dreams, that's something people should look in awe at. Because one thing I know for a fact is uh, the fact that, you know, we say women can't do this, women can't do that. But Saudi Arabia is a living example, a living proof that if you put your heart to it, if you have the willpower to it, you can. You can. And that too, Saudi like Arabia leads. is often the prime example of, you know, the liberal feminists. You know, women are, there's a lot of misogyny because, you know, Saudi Arabia is like the peak uh, of that level. But so, if Saudi Arabia is so good, let's talk about the other GCC states. Let's talk about Dubai, let's talk about Qatar, so thriving, so westernized. I'm, I'm very sure this problem doesn't exist as much as people portray it to. Exactly. I mean, just like step into the Doha airport. You see women everywhere and they're not subjected to something that they don't want to. Like you see, uh, what do you call it? Women with hijab, without hijab, uh, wearing pants, wearing skirts. It's, it's everything. <laughs> you see everything. And you can't say that, you know, the GCC sort of, you know, boxes up women because... Look at the women around. I think uh, the reason why, you know, a lot of these feminist pages don't want to exemplify uh, success coming from the Middle Eastern world is because there is already that aspect, you know, where if you dress modestly, you're automatically oppressed and they want to keep that narrative. Because you see a lot of the feminist pages. I, mean, I think the feminist page is the most popular political page in the entire world. And for them, the narrative is that if you are... Uh, blue-haired, if you go wearing nothing, that's what liberates you. That's the sort of narrative that they give. And if they see somebody who is modest, somebody who's close to the religion actually thriving, for them, you know, that sort of example strives away from their whole, you know, I want to, uh, you know... Wear what I want. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, uh, and another thing is, have you noticed how they, you know, confuse somebody's strength, you know, like, have you seen... Um, women doing really well at their jobs, right? And then they say, oh, we have the first woman here. We don't talk about their success, the sort of determination that they put their intelligence to get to that position, but rather we, you know, put them into that bucket list of women succeeding. And I think it's very cruel because a lot of these women, they have to do such hardships and they, instead of talking about, you know, their brilliance, their talent, we just put them into that bucket and automatically, you know, you see people who are against the feminist movement not appreciating their talents. Now, personally, me, I would say that I, you know, I am somebody for equality. But the reason why I don't identify myself as a feminist is because you have that, you know, left-wing people who are, are just so... So, I think, you're, I think you know, Arabian women should be everywhere because, you know, they 
they personify uh, being modest and being powerful. Yes, and uh, I guess um, another thing that happened in Saudi Arabia was when women started working, right? Men started having this um, sort of idea that, okay, our company is hiring these women because they have a fixed quota to uh, fulfill. And that sort of, uh, you know, devalued everything that a woman worked for because obviously she wasn't put there just like that. Wow, exactly. He had to go yeah, through the same education <laughs> process. <laughs> so I had a, a podcast with Tuha and Sapman again, and we both, you know, we spoke about the exact same thing. You know, you're pulling success away from them and putting them into that one category of uh, unfit women. In reality, we have so many of them, so many fit women out there. It's just you put them into one class, and we label all of them generalization. So let's talk about your life now that you moved to so-called democratic country where you're free, where, you know, things like the LGBTQ movement is allowed, unlike in uh, the Middle Eastern countries. Do you really think it's as liberating as they say it is to be anybody and to still succeed? I don't really think so. I mean, like for me, I face so much criticism. I don't wear a hijab. I don't look like your average Muslim dude. Uh, I look, you know, I look like, a, I, I personify with my Christian friends most. I look most like them. People, you know, you still face that racism on a daily basis here on the roads. How about you? You should be having it much worse. It's there a lot. This one time I had gone shopping, right? And uh, this was after the Easter bombing attack. And um, I had gone shopping and I had gotten into an elevator. Uh, there, there were these bunch of uh, people, friends. They were just like uh, talking and whatnot. And as soon as I got into the elevator, they were like, uh, ah, chan, uh, are, the church, uh, are you going to the church today? And then he's all like, no, no, I'm not going to the church today because... You know, she's there. She might come there. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> what are you trying to say? And then they're like, uh, uh-uh, we had to go to church, you know, when these Muslims don't come around. And I'm like, uh, okay, I just came shopping. <laughs> I didn't mean to do anything to you. <laughs> but uh, as much as that's there, there's the other aspect. I have a lot of uh, non-Muslim friends. And to be honest, uh, I, I've seen a lot of good people because... Um, when things like this happen, I've had so many friends stand up for me. Where they go all like, uh, yeah, you were saying? What were you saying? What were you saying to my friend over here? And I'm just like, it's alright guys, like calm down. We're, we're cool. I, I can handle this. And then they're like, no, someone can't talk to you like that. Like they can't generalize people like that. Exactly. And then there's the other aspect of, uh, now say, even like uh, LGBTQ and stuff like that. As much as we uh, call ourselves free and uh, accepting and whatnot, Sri Lanka isn't. We aren't. Sri Lanka isn't. Like, have you seen the headlines recently? We aren't. <laughs> I think the, the thing is not, we are not accepting on both sides. You have the very conservatives, you know, not ready to accept that other way of living. But you also have the, the very, you know, the liberalist folk, you know, who have a problem with somebody who disagrees with opinions, like, you know, me personally because of religious purposes and you know because basically it doesn't make sense to me i think that you know lgbtq communities are a confusing thing for me i really don't agree with them and if i make that opinion out in the world like you know because obviously coming from the 21st century being in an international school you get attacked so much just because you think you know uh, i disagree with that opinion so you have that mob mentality on either sides i'm gonna lie yeah, exactly. But I guess uh, one thing we need to do is uh, we need to be the comedian. Whatever said or done. Say you have, 
you say you have a friend who is uh, gay or lesbian, like uh, whatever they identify themselves with. You you need to be accepting of that. Uh, like maybe you don't uh, value, like you don't personally, your religious values don't sort of go in line with that. But you need to be okay with it. You need to be all like, okay, that's your personal choice. You know? Exactly. Because, uh, see, it's the same thing with us. Like, I choose to wear the hijab. I choose not to do this. I choose not to do that. I choose not to drink. That is my religious values. That's my personal values. And when someone sort of goes against that, I feel attacked. I feel less than. So it's the same kind of attitude that uh, we show back at someone else who we don't accept who doesn't, you know, go in power with our religious values. So I think um, exactly. we need to be the change. We need to be the change no, that we need to I, see. I actually have a few gay friends, right? And so how our relationship works is, I, I, don't, I don't agree with that, you know, that aspect of you. And you also don't agree with how I think. But aside from that, there are a lot of things that we agree on. Forget about what we disagree on. Let's focus on what we, you know, believe together. You can coexist. You can have differences and coexist. That's obviously yeah, possible. Exactly. It's just that, you know, the extreme sides of both ways of living make it difficult for you to do that. Exactly. And uh, I mean, how many times do we look away from uh, certain differences? Why are certain differences easier to look away from while other differences we are like, okay, this is a deal breaker. Why is that the case? Exactly. And personally, for me, you know, obviously, we know there are shortcomings in the Middle East, obviously. But I am somebody who's like a brand ambassador for the Middle East because, you know, I resonate with it being home more. And so every time somebody has something negative to say, you know, I obviously put forward the positive points. But I don't disagree with the negatives. Get it? In Sri Lanka, you see that on our Instagram forum or Twitter forum, a lot of people, are, you know, the second they talk about oppression, Middle East. There we are. It pisses me off a lot. Honestly. And uh, I I guess I resonate as a brand ambassador too because anytime someone goes like, but Saudi, like, what's the lifestyle? And then I'm like, you have no idea. Have you seen the food we have there? <laughs> like, dude, that that's everything. <laughs> exactly. And the other thing is, you know, tax-free, baby, tax-free. Yes. We are taxed now. We, we've got taxed. Ah, wait, you guys got VAT, right? Yes, we do. Mom's getting VAT in 2021. Uh, still Good a luck. bit ahead. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> but I think your know, taxation levels are still incomparable with what you have in European countries, what you have in Asia. So, so we had this question actually coming in from my classmate. My, sorry, my junior, my school junior. She is from Oman, from my school SLSM. Uh, and she asked, she pointed out that rape culture is non-existent in the Middle East. I agree with her because, you know, I've been there for, I, mean, I don't know how it is in Saudi, but in Oman, I've been there for um, 10 years. And I think I might have seen one or two cases in the newspaper, but not nearly as close as it is in Sri Lanka. Uh, do you agree with it? Do you have anything to say about it? Uh See, this is the thing, right? When it comes to the Middle East countries, we're pretty good at hiding stuff. So, um, when it comes to things like rape culture and things, we still haven't gotten comfortable talking about it or addressing it. I, I will not say it's non-existent. Maybe not it's comparatively less. 
Maybe not it's comparatively less. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's probably comparatively less than what we have here, but uh, it's not non-existent. Yeah, because I, li- I studied in a mixed school, right? And, you know, we obviously, what rape culture is essentially, when, you know, it's okay for somebody to be, uh, you know, abused and people move on with it, right? That's essentially what it is. But in our schools, I've been in multiple schools there, in fact, and I have friends from multiple schools they all, you know, disagree with it. I don't know how it is in Saudi, but in Oman, we're a lot more open about talking things and maybe it maybe it's an isolated case to Oman. You never see that. I mean, I don't see, I, I haven't heard of anything in schools or school students, but to be honest, rape is more than that. Probably there's, there's marital rape and then there's the whole domestic aspect of it, you know, um, maids, housekeepers. Um, yeah, obviously. Lower staff, all of that. So, uh, you can never say it's non-existent because uh, maybe there are people who are not coming out, and we can't uh, sort of, uh, you know, blemish that entire picture. But uh, no, we can't. I guess it's much better than what we have here, what we've got here. I A think, girl can uh, walk freely here. Yeah, exactly. Because you know, I go to malls there. You see more people wearing, you know, like their form of dressing there is a lot more, how to say, modern, modern than, you know, what you have in Sri Lanka. You know, more like people go walking with short skirts and stuff like that. And I don't, you don't see, I, I have never seen any problem. You know, once in a while you see people staring, right? You know, you have your uh, Bengali cleaners who they just stare because, you know, they don't know what self-control is. <laughs> but for the most part, you don't see the locals uh, making much of a fuss. And I feel like people there are a lot more free because I have friends who are in Oman, close friends of mine, and they'd say, you know, bro, I would never come to Sri Lanka because you know, I am judged 10 times more here than I am there. Yeah, I mean, I go out with my girlfriends like probably every weekend over there. And that's cool. I mean, I could exactly. walk around in a mall and no one's going to look at me. And that- I mean, you don't associate that with uh, be not looking as good or whatever, but it's the guys over there. They don't really pay attention to you all that much. I mean, obviously, there's the random glances and all of that, but it's not as bad as it is here. I mean, guys follow you from the mall to the bus to the to your homes over here, and that's insane. <laughs> like, I can never you know, imagine there, that happening there. It's, it's, it's maximum there, you know, like... Uh... You know, we're going out. Do you guys want to join with us? So your phone number, etcetera. That's it. That's nothing more. Yeah, exactly. I guess that's that's all that's there. And it's I not to you, say you that you hang out in a mall and you're done. That that's all that's there. No, it's not to say that the 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 boys in uh, the Middle East are afraid. They're not afraid of anything. Trust me when I tell you that. <laughs> but <laughs> but then you know you have the Middle Eastern parents who will scrutinize those kids for actually doing something like that the parents there you know if you see a guy trying to mess around with a girl you know they make it a big scene and a lot of them have uh my god each of them have like five kids each you know that is not something that's generalization that's a fact okay and in a world like that the probability of you being with family is very close you have family gatherings almost every week and so the aspect of mutual respect is inherent in in the society there i'd say that yeah and also, there's the fact that uh, people stand up for each other over there. Like, uh, say, for instance, a gu- guy was, you know, annoying me, harassing me in a mall. Like, for instance, it's never happened to me. 
thank God. But uh, for instance, if that happened, there'll be a bunch of other girls who comes and goes or like, what's happening? Do you need help? There'll be a bunch of other guys also. Like they'll be like, is everything okay over here? But I don't exactly. see that in Sri Lanka, which is really upsetting because there are times that I and wish I mean, someone stood up for me. This is a bit of generalization. I don't know if you have as many Egyptians and Sudanese there. Okay, Egyptians and Sudanese are like the most courageous people you meet. Like you go to public, something goes yeah. wrong. They wouldn't, you They're know, so mind, tough. you know. They are so mentally tough, God. <laughs> Especially the women, God. Uh, yeah. I had a few classmates you who, you know, you them. don't. No, no. <laughs> Big mistake. Yeah. So then we go on to the whole topic of expatriate. Uh, a friend of mine asked me, Marlin, uh, from Gateway College, uh, Colombo. He's also a model United Nations speaker, multiple award winner. He raised the question about the stigmatization of expatriates being downtrodden. They, you know, they're not treated well. There is that sort of, uh, you know, obviously we have that aspect. To some extent, I'd say it's true because in Oman, we have Omanization, cutting of expatriate jobs, replacing with nationals, but that's that should be any nation's priority. When, um, when we have unemployment, you know, try to mobilize your own people. But I don't really see that as much uh, on a day-to-day level because from day one, I was there, I was treated much better by the locals than I am I'm ever treated here. You have, you know, your boss's family calling you for Eid, for days to stay there. And then, you know, you have locals, if you have a tire puncher, they'll stop the vehicle around you, the taxi drivers included, and they'll fix it for you. Such nice yeah, people exactly. there. But um, I guess we, we were privileged enough to be of, uh, let's say, a higher class, even though we were in Saudi as expat, even though we were in the Gulf as expatriates. There are other people like who come as low-income wage earners. Otherwise, uh, most bachelors, bachelors, you see them, even if they are like a manager or something at a reputed firm and they live their bachelor life, uh, they're not always subjected to the best of treatments because uh, I guess that that sort of aspect got um, scrutinized during this COVID season. Uh, no, not only like, COVID season. I think you remember the Arab Spring, right? After that, you have that, you know, the, the new generation of, uh, you know, Arabians, they have a big problem with uh, seeing, you know, because you have, national groups, you know, talking about how expats are stealing your jobs and, you know, they, youngsters often discriminate you a little bit, you know, not to a great extent, but a little bit. But then, you know, you find those uh, old uncles and aunts, my God, I love Eid there because you make more money from Eid there than you make. Like, I remember we dropped off this woman. So like, yeah, exactly. So we were going to the mosque. And so this woman was walking and going. So my dad was like, she was a local. So my dad was like, okay, she's walking and going. The mosque is right here. We can drop her. Because we dropped her, she gave me and my sister, if I'm not wrong, uh, 50 Saudi riyas each. Just 50 riyas wow. Saudi riyas. Like, that's big money. That's huge money. <laughs> exactly. That's one thing that's there. Like, they, they are very accepting, the locals, to be honest. But... Uh... When people talk about the mistreatment of expatriates, I guess they focus more on the low-income earners. Labor categories. Where they have to share rooms and, uh, you know, their living conditions aren't the best. uh, I kind of disagree with that. uh, Because now I have friends and have family who work for 
real estate firms there so and i was all working with the real estate firms and so you have their labor camps their labor camps are much more sophisticated compared to what we have as regular apartments here i mean no 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 obviously they're not treated the best their passports are taken away from them they are paid a terrible uh, income that's not uh, that's not a joke but you know it isn't as bad as working conditions what you have in asia because you know when we start talking about work conditions we talk about oppression of expats in the middle east but then be like you know that's that's coming from asians but on the other hand you have people working for pence in in uh, not pence is it pence or cents cents in asia in uh, in china in india even in sri lanka yeah, so i don't think us asians are you know we could talk about oppression and being paid less there while we do the exact same and much worse for our low income workers here i think uh, we sort of um, compare the lifestyle and how they're being treated to something like maybe the us or some some big place you know where people have given up everything and gone to some other place to earn and they're not treated well enough for that but then we forget to compare that maybe it's just better than what they have here so it's okay exactly. it's okay it's and okay. even you know they talk about how food is bad there i swear to god i might as well go and eat in a petrol shed then i might go and eat in a mall because the petrol Honestly. shed food is like godly <laughs> it's so good and like it's so good you can have a shawarma there for like 3 riyals and like get get a shawarma and pepsi for maximum 5 riyals and you're like oh go me meal <laughs> and i think we have that was our next question in fact we had six people who asked us about the food difference people are crazy about food here and i think we have genocide in sri lanka genocide happening right at the hearts of uh, arabian nights they put coriander in their shawarma and then they label it shawarma it's just the most disgusting thing i've ever had <laughs> tomatoes and like cabbage who puts cabbage have you had cabbage in shawarma <laughs> where's the french fries where's tahini <laughs> Where, oh my god where's the pickles like the good the good pickles where are they you know like the the cabbage pickles they like the chili pickles and carrot oh, ones yes. and the carrot ones <laughs> oh my god i die for that you know i was supposed to go to oman in december so i told my dad you know like you know if i do well for my exam so just essentially for me it's just i prefer going to oman and my dad was also like you know one every year we could go we were planning on going this year at the end of this year or maybe at the end of my a2 level who oh, it destroyed my dreams <laughs> legit like um, every time i ask my mom i'm like can i come back home and she was like why do you want to come back home i'm like oh, well i want to see you guys i want to see my siblings i need I food <laughs> i need food <laughs> i'm starving here <laughs> like even the have... indian food is so good over there like how is there No good Indian food over here. Indian food's god there, like I swear to god. Like you know, my dad I I ate so much. My dad was like, you know, you're not going to fit into your clothes anymore for the one month we stay there. You better come and run with me. And he took me running to make sure that I can eat more. Like you know, cuz cuz I was eating like a lot. Like I would stop and eat at Lulu cuz you know like I missed oh, yes. the I missed the food in Lulu, Darbar? like the food in Lulu. is gourmet shit compared to what we have here yeah i mean <laughs> this is really good food and like i know my go to order like 
every time I tell my mom, I'm like, I'm coming there. I need my butter naan. I need my butter chicken alongside. And I need like proper chicken corn soup. I need my chicken corn soup, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And the it's barbecues. Ooh, Unpopular opinion. After the, the Americans, I think the Middle East, like, you know, are like number one in barbecue. Like if you had barbecue oh, yes. in Sri Lanka, they barbecue like weird stuff and in weird ways. Like, where's your tamarind? They put coriander <laughs> and stuff into everything. I'm like, where's your tamarind? Dude, flavor. Oh my God. Yeah. Food over there. And you know, I think I'd go back because, you know, apparently we're going to lose beef privileges here very soon. Uh, <laughs> so might as well consume as much as possible. Or yes, exactly. We need beef. Beef privileges. So, you know, that, that sums about it. You know, that's practically everything I had to talk about. And, you know, we talked about from everything from, you know, life as a woman, uh, oppression, and, you know, as an expatriate. We talked about food, which is very interesting. And we talked about, you know, a lot of aspects. And I think it has been yeah. a really, really good podcast. And I think for somebody who's going to the Middle East, I'd say come with an open mind. Come with an open mind and embrace this culture. There's a good chance that you'll enjoy it. Honestly, honestly. Because uh, it all depends on your perspective. If you come with the opinion that, you know, you're not going to have fun, and uh, you're going to be oppressed, then uh, you're not going to have fun. There's no way you're going to exactly. have fun. But uh, if you come up with an open mind, then you'll see beauty in like the tiniest aspects between people's uh, manners and the food and the lifestyle over there, the nightlife. Oh my God, it's amazing. Exactly. That's true. And uh, so I'd like to thank you, Ara, once again for coming here. Fantastic guest very interesting very comedic we talked about you know all sorts of issues and all sorts of fun uh, and so uh, i'd like the viewers to stay on hold because you know i will be taking a two-week break before the next podcast uh for obvious reasons and uh so you guys don't wait so december the month of december we have a lot of new people coming in uh we have mun content coming in so stay on hold for that and uh, i'd like to thank ara once again for being a fantastic guest and I hope she has a great day and great life ahead. And I'd like to thank everybody for listening and stay on hold for the next week's episode. Thank you, guys. All right, all right, all right. It is season three. Well, I mean, technically we were in season 3 some time ago, but uh, we're still going, we're going strong. Um, am I going to make a podcast that's smart, that's interesting? No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, well, what am I going to do? A video podcast? Hmm, no, I'm not going to do that either. I'm quite not bothered. I, I have work to do. So, life update. Where am I? What am I doing? And how am I doing? How am I doing is quite important. It's 2022, guys. How am I doing is very important in 2022. Right, where am I? I am in Durham, UK. What am I doing? I'm doing my degree here, LLB, Durham University. That is what I'm doing. How am I doing? Well, that's an important, difficult, difficult question. And that's what I'm about to get in today. All right. 
I would normally play a I don't know we call it an intro music, but again, this is such a loosey goosey podcast episode. I'm not that bothered. If you're here for it for the fun, if you want to know what's happening in Durham right now, don't listen to me. I say it to him a lot of the times. Listen to someone more interesting. But if you want to know the life struggles of a Asian kid, also. You know, I think I qualify for that, to be honest. It is pretty cold and the food is pretty nasty here. All right, recap on what's happened over the last month and a few change. A few change. What's wrong with my English? A bit change. You know what? Get the point. Right, what do I want to say? What happens? Well, on the 20th of September, Atas departs Sri Lanka. Was I sad? Mm, questionable. Then I went to Oman, stayed with my dad for a few days. That was pretty cool. Uh, did I enjoy the weather? Hell yes, I certainly did. The warmth was nice, undeniably nice, and the food was brilliant. I did eat a lot of food there because I knew what I was getting myself into. Mm. And then I land here. Where do I land? I land in Heathrow. Worst experience in the airport ever, my friend. Five and a half, five and a half hours at the immigration. For what good reason? God only knows. I think there was a strike or something of that sort. Well, what happens next? I had to my uncle's place, stay there for the night. Well, technically night. I went to sleep at 3.30. My train was at like 8 a.m. So we had to wake up at 5.30. It was a hectic, hectic day. And then we land in Durham. And then I book an Uber to go from the railway station to uh, my college, Johnson College. That's like 1.5 miles or something of that sort. And then I realized how expensive Ubers are in this country. In my country, 1.5 miles is like, what, 3 kilometers? 2.5 kilometers? I don't know. Math isn't working for me. Um, and that would be 400 rupees, give or take. And that's a pound. So I felt quite depressed when I saw that. Uh, that was my first indicator that I might or might not have made a slight mistake, financially at least. Um, and, you know, bought my stuff. Precious week was brilliant. Did I expect more? Maybe. Maybe I did. Hard to say. Uh, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. It was okay. Um, enjoyed Precious Week to a decent extent. And then coursework started. Well, I thought to myself, oh, I'm going to make it brilliant. I'm going to go for every lecture. I'm going to make sure I do everything. But Precious Week kicks in and knocks me cold for a week weak, cold, stone, dead, I was dying, then I died, and then I was resurrected, resurrected, that word, you know the word I'm talking about, my friends are still struggling from it, I just told, I just told them, I was like, bro, you need to die, that's the only way to get back, you know, die and then come back, else it's just terminal, it's like long, I don't know, really long cancer or something of that sort, point is, became better, then I realized I was one week short. Then I took bodily when not moot, because why not? I realized I'm going too fast. You want me to slow down? I'll slow down. Oh, that was such a Hannah Baker thing to do, you know? Like midway stop as if I'm right there with you. Am I right there with you? You never know. Look behind, I'll be right there. <laughs> question mark, question mark, question mark. Alright, point is if you're still listening to this podcast at this time of the hour, I'm assuming you're listening to it very, very late in the night. Uh, why are you doing what you're doing? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Uh, also, it's not scripted. I do not know how I have such a good flow of an unscripted podcast. So, 
I think I should do more unscripted podcasts. I think they work for me. Right, where was I? Mood. How is mood? I'm not going to ask that question. Next, how is the life here? Well, I can certainly complain about the food being lackluster, the restaurants being unnecessarily expensive, and everything being far away, and the walk being horrible. I'm complaining a bit too much. Meh, I paid a lot of money. I think I'm, it's fair enough for me to compa- uh, complain. At least I'm not in London where I'll be paying a lot of money for rent. Oh, wait, I forgot. Darum oversubscribed. I can't say the same anymore. We're paying the same amount of rent. And we're walking a lot more than Dar- London. So, why am I here in Durham instead of London? Hmm. God will. God only knows. I-, I cannot answer that question. Okay, what else do I think? The food, the food. Well, I have become something of a Sri Lankan master chef here. People actually respect my food in this place. They think I do a decent job. And every time I cook, and these people are surprised about how good it is and I'm just like listen all I'm doing is adding salt and chili powder that isn't too hard but somehow they are impressed by my food and I'll take it I don't mind the compliment how is the nightlife I wouldn't really know I haven't really been out I've been in my room she's sad to say but mm, not bad I don't I don't mind a couple of episodes on on Amazon Prime not the worst way of living I also finally understand what these people talk about when they say Amazon Prime and next delivery in Sri Lanka we didn't have that because we had to pay a lot of tax when we bought anything so no one really bought Amazon bought from Amazon it was like always through Caprica and Caprica is so shady uh, don't sue me Caprica I've just been in your building your warehouse once and it's such a shady area like yo what are you doing and why are you doing what you're doing okay I digress uh, my point is it is so brilliant. I ordered like headphone replacements and it was here the next day and I was like, whew, mind blown. So that was something I learned. Uh, cooking, right. I realized that I don't need to eat all three meals a day. Well, that's good. And I've only been eating since when I feel hungry. And that is also an interesting concept because in Sri Lanka, I have breakfast at eight, lunch at one and dinner at like 7.30, fixed times. I could be as full as it gets and still at eight at the time. So was a massive change in my sleeping schedule oh well that's been rubbish <laughs> rubbish as rubbish as it gets i think that was once where i kept awake till like, i don't know 11 i have no idea what was i doing well uh i was studying for a while to be honest so funny i actually studied for a decent amount of time then i went to the igloo which is like our college jcr the junior common room and then we played pool with my friend and played music Oh my god, important thing. A friend of mine, Andy, uh, the guy knows how to play the piano. So I've been expressing my musical talent, my non-existent musical talent. That's also something that's been going on. I think this should have been scripted. I like the flow. It's going really smooth, but it's like all the thoughts in my head that just like go so fast in an audio format now. And I feel like someone listening to this at any given moment would be so lost if they lose like half a second of it. Again, 8 minutes and 30 something seconds in. Why are you still here? Alright, is that interesting in my life? Okay, let me tell you what's going on now. Today is the 3rd of November. Uh, no, 4th of November, technically. I'm supposed to deliver one of, to receive one of my Amazon deliveries today. So, good wood. I got a lecture at like 5 to 6. We'll go for it. 
uh am i going to the library in the morning nah today is not the day I just want to sleep what's happening for the rest of the week i might go to stuff in the weekend because they got like cheap halal food that's a big problem in durham they rip you off food here really badly uh and mm they got probably some good stuff there in stockton a friend who used to live there so i'll be going with him mm, where else else am i doing i am probably going to live such a lackluster life for a short while until i figure out things how's the weather mm. it's interesting to me how sun sets at 4:30 p.m. as bizarre in my country work day ends at 5 p.m. and then the sun sets after you reach home and in colombo traffic i don't know it's like 6 i think point is it is so bizarre that nature's lights go out at 4:30 still getting used to it uh, my friend is practically suffering from the lack of sunlight she is as white and as pale as it gets and not used to this weather and is having a tough time so i anyways have my windows down at all given moments so is the sun down is it not hard to say really is doesn't change anything for me also another really thing i've learned or figured out in this country is caffeine like energy drinks monster's got like 32 mg of caffeine per 100 ml and rockstar's got like 50 so that is brilliant that's so brilliant like sometimes it just gets you through the night and the morning like what also i brought my camera so maybe i will go on a photo adventure that seems to be in my bucket list and plans of term so that is term in for my first month in dark in a podcast slash rap for you so hmm, it's not bad anywho we shall meet sometime soon when i am either jobless or bored sad or all of it it's a good chance it's all of it and hopefully next time it's more scripted and more thought out But for this week uh yay we survived and hey everyone see you guys soon